What's up, everybody? Welcome to today's episode of Podmosh. So today has been one year since I launched my first uh, set of episodes last year, literally today on October 12th, 2020 is when I started. Uh, I have, it's been one year. I have a total of 53, 54 episodes, something like that. Let me see. Scroll up to this. Oh, I have 58 episodes. <laughs> so of the 58, I was gonna wanna, I want to highlight three of my favorite researchers and uh, things I learned the most from. The very first one was Dr. Priest. Uh, he's a doctor at the kinesiology department at Charleston State University. He's got a lab there. And what is crazy is that he's getting paralyzed people to walk simply by exercising their legs, getting enough oxygen in there. Uh, enough rotation, thousands and thousands of times of rotation on their legs. And they're walking out of that out of their lab. So if you're interested in that, check that one out. And then that's number 23, that's Dr. Priest. And then number 26, Dr. Silverstein. We talked about how he's the, uh, actually the, I think the president of the psychology department at the University of Rochester. Um, also super interesting because he found that if a person is born blind, they don't get schizophrenia. Insane, I know, right? So that was number 26. And then my other favorite one I have is Dr. Swagger, number 33. He's a clinical psychologist, and his research revolves around therapeutic and harmful substance abuse, specifically Kratom. But he's using Kratom and vying for Kratom to use for mental health, depression, anxiety. And then we get to a little bit about uh, psychopathy, which is the study of psychopaths and how first responders actually, like the industry, like EMS, police, nursing, uh, attracts psychopaths and then spits out psychopaths because of the 10 traits of a, of a psychopath. So check those out. So again, on weeks like this where I'm kind of just overviewing, checking all the shows, um, I like to find out, kind of peruse what's going on in the scientific world. And I pulled up some different articles uh, that really caught my attention. And because my degree is in public health, this one was my favorite one because it's so interesting. So reducing sugar in packaged foods can prevent disease in the millions. So cutting 20% of sugar from packaged foods and 40% from beverages could prevent 2.48 million cardiovascular disease events, 490,000 cardiovascular deaths, and 750,000 diabetes diabetes cases in the U.S. over the lifetime of the adult population, according to this new study. And the cardiovascular disease events include strokes, heart attacks, and cardiac arrests. So in this article, basically, they're just laying out a plan. Hey, if we change how much we're putting sugar in, and they found that like you can't ban sugar. You can't just pull them off the shelves. That doesn't work because the sugar industry is just insane. But if you reduce by 20% in food and 40% in beverages, it'll save millions. And not only that, you know, we have a chronic disease epidemic, and it's been going on for years and years and years and years. Chronic disease is the one we spend the most amount of money on in the billions. I want to say it's like $3 billion. Let me, hang on, let me look at that up real quick. Okay. So not in the billions in the trillions. So when including indirect costs associated with lost economic productivity, the total cost of chronic disease in the United States reaches $3.7 trillion each year, approximately 19.6% of the country's gross domestic product. That's insane. So if we really want to save money and actually insure people and, uh, do some really good work in the public health sector and for America as a whole, then maybe we should start tackling things like chronic disease, but we, we aren't, we're actually just making it worse. So this study is showing if we reduce sugar by 20 and 40% in those respective areas, it's going to save millions of lives. I mean, millions and millions and millions. And so 
money wise, it's going to save, let's see, 10 years after this, they call it the NSSRI policy goes into effect. The U.S. could expect to save $4.28 billion in total net health care costs and $118.04 billion over the lifetime of the current adult population. That's according to the model that they incorporated. Um, the, co- the total cost of savings of the NSSRI policy rises to $160.88 billion over the adult population's lifetime. So that's my frustration. Like we have all these options here in America to be able to help reduce economic burden on um, population across the board, specifically in like minorities, because minorities um, and low SAS, low socioeconomic status are the ones who are most impacted by these type of things. They're the, one, they're the ones who drink the most drinks that are high intake in sugar and then foods as well because they're cheap. So it, this is so far the only policy that I've seen that is trying to tackle this chronic epide- epidemic, disease epidemic that we've been experiencing for a long, 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 long time. Uh, and so everybody's talking about how, you know, we don't have enough, ins- people aren't being insured and because of our broken healthcare system, it's only making things 10 times worse. Well, if we did this and then reduced administrative paperwork, we could insure everybody in the nation. Not only that, but it would we'd have billions left over. And if you want to, show, if, I, if you want me to show those, you those numbers, I can. Very, very interesting. So, stop doing the sugar, and maybe this policy will actually go into effect. All right. So the next study, that was soapbox. Sorry. Next study I'm doing uh, that I found was this new class of habitable exoplanets represent a big step forward in the search for life. There's a new class of exoplanet, very different to our own, but which could support life. It has been identified by astronomers and could greatly accelerate the search for life outside the solar system. So in the search for life elsewhere, astronomers have mostly looked for planets of similar size, composition, mass to Earth. But the research of, researchers have identified a new class of habitable planet called Hyacian planets, H-Y-C-E-A-N. They're hot ocean-covered planets with hydrogen-rich atmospheres, which are more numerous and observable than Earth-like planets. These are outside the current the Milky Way galaxy. So this article continues to say that if we find this, there's a strong possibility that we could find life, very similar to what we find in like the depths of the ocean here on Earth. All right, the next one is this one, uh, happiness in early adulthood may protect against dementia. So this goes on to talk about how depressive symptoms increase risk for cognitive impairment later in life. Uh, that's, again, this is playing the long game. Yeah, I'm all about the long game. Everybody, when, when it comes to stocks, investments, everybody wants to just jump on a stock and, and make you know $10,000 in a day. Uh, the risk is too high. If you just play the long game, even with mutual funds, with life, with right now, if you're looking 20 years in advance, you know, if I'm 27 right now, 20 years in, in advance at 47, I'm going to be start looking towards retirement. You know, what am I? Uh, and as age increases, so do chronic diseases. So if I can plan right now for that time frame, then it's going to make a world of difference in my quality of life. And that's kind of what this is talking about. Um, depressive symptoms, anxiety, you know, what are, what are causing those? Take care of those now, because if we can reduce that and increase happiness, uh, during this time frame of our life, it'll reduce dementia and Alzheimer's later on in life. Well, specifically dementia. Um, that's because stress, specifically chronic stress, uh, really, really, really impair. It's either chronic stress or an acute stressful event not dealt with. Um, the cortisol kills your cells. We know that kills telomerase, which is an enzyme that creates new cells and then shrinks 
places like the hippocampus, which is great for memory. So that was an amazing study I found. Um, excessive stress hormones may damage ability to make new memories. Duh. All right, next study. Meditation can help make fewer help you make fewer mistakes. New research tested how open monitoring meditation, which is a specific type of meditation, altered brain activity in a way that suggests increased error recognition. If you are forgetful or make mistakes when in a hurry, a new study from Michigan State University, which is the largest of its kind to date, found that this type of meditation could help you to become less error prone. People's interest in, in meditation and mindfulness is outpacing what science can prove in terms of effects and benefits. But it's amazing to me that we are able to see how one session of a guided meditation can produce changes to brain activity in non-meditators. So there are some forms of meditation have you focus on a single object, commonly your breath, but open monitoring in meditation is a bit different. It has you tune inward and pay attention to everything going on in your mind and body. The goal is to sit quietly and pay close attention to where the mind travels without getting too caught up in the scenery. So again, Meditation, mindfulness, mind hacks will help your brain, will help your mind, your soul in a variety of ways. So if you want to look more into that, check it out. And then lastly, there was this, it was kind of interesting, um, not really health and population based, but there was an ancient city that could have been destroyed by a cosmic airburst, evidence suggests. So East Carolina University researchers presented evidence that a Middle Bronze Age city called Tal el-Hammam, located in the Jordan Valley, northeast of the Dead Sea, was destroyed by a cosmic airburst. So that city was uh, biblical time. It was Sodom. You know, Sodom, you know, there was basically everybody turned to salt and died, blah, blah, blah. Or a lot turned to salt, but everybody else got burnt. <laughs> That's what this city is. So now there's evidence for Sodom possibly being hit by a giant airburst. And they found that... Um, they actually began excavating this in 2005 and research have been, researchers have been particularly interested in the citywide 1.5 meter thick destruction layer of carbon and ash. The layer, which dates to about 1650 BCE or about 3,600 years ago contains shocked quartz, melted pottery, mud bricks, diamond like carbon, soot, remnants of melted plaster and melted minerals, including platinum, iridium, nickel, gold, silver, zircon, zircon, chromite and quartz. I think I'm going to name my next kid zircon. That's yeah, that's what I've chosen. Uh, they found all this evidence of high temperature burning throughout the entire site. And the technology didn't exist at that time, specifically the middle bronze the middle bronze age, for people to be able to generate fires of that kind of temperature. So now there's evidence for that. So interesting. Weird. Whatever you want to call it. I just like learning about this type of stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you so much for tuning into my show. Um, one year ago today, I appreciate <laughs> all the support. Y'all be smart, be safe, don't be dumb, and have a good day. Bye.